O Lord God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more. For they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Selah. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Selah. Verse 11. Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my mouth up, from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. Verse 18, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Matthew Henry says on Psalm 88, This psalm is a lamentation, one of the most melancholy of all the psalms. It does not conclude, as usually the melancholy psalms do, with a lasting imitation of comfort or joy. But from first to last, it is mourning and woe. Charles Spurgeon on Psalm 88 says, If ever there was a song of sorrow and a psalm of sadness, this is one. As you can see what we just read, this is a dark and sorrowful psalm. Some would say this is the darkest of all the Psalter. Even some would say this is the darkest story of all the Bible. When we read the Psalms, we see the Psalms keep us honest about our lives. It is the nitty-gritty of the Christian life when we read the book of Psalms. It are, it is the, our, our lives are on display in the book of Psalms. We see the emotions that we have, ups and downs, just like the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, we see people crying out in pain. We see people questioning the goodness and presence of God. You say, how's that happen? People shouldn't do that. But we do that all the time. People in the Psalms do the same thing. These people are real. These people are honest. They don't hide their pain and suffering. It's out front. They let it out. But even in being real and honest, you will see the Psalms are encouraging In every psalm, there is a a note of of comfort and joy. 
Psalms 1, 6 says, the way of the wicked will perish. Psalms 2, 12 says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Psalm 7, 17 says, I will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. Psalms 5, 12 says, for you bless the righteous. O Lord, you cover him with favor as with a shield. But we just read each of those ends with something good. Encouraging. The Psalms are honest, but in the end, God and his people win. But there is one psalm that doesn't do that. One psalm that ends in a very, very sad and sorrowful way. Look how it ends. Psalm 88 ends, You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. There's no happy ending there. There's no joy. There's no comfort there. So the question is, Why would God put this ugly, sorrowful, depressing, and utterly hopeless psalm in the Bible? Why is it in there? Why am I preaching on this today? Is there there any hope in this psalm? Is Jesus in this psalm? We're going to learn and answer every one of those questions today. First thing I want us to see is that in Psalm 88, Psalm 88 describes that we will all face troubles and suffering. That's important. All of us will face troubles and suffering. Every single one of us. That's what you have to understand to understand Psalm 88. Not many pastors on Sunday morning are preaching on Psalm 88. For all of you who like to watch the preachers on TV, they're definitely not preaching Psalm 88. They're not. Even in my studies, I like to listen to sermons on different on the topics that I'm preaching on. There's not a whole lot on Psalm 88. There's not. Um, even I couldn't even find a John MacArthur sermon on Psalm 88. So that, that tells you it's difficult to find. Why is that? Why is it not popular? People don't like to talk about pain and suffering. It's not popular. It's not a popular thing to preach on. So again, why Psalm 88? Again, Charles Spurgeon would say, because it may be there is a poor heart here that is very heavy. You cannot tell out of this great crowd how many sorrowing and burdened spirits there may be amongst us. But there may be a dozen or two or persons who are driven almost to despair. He goes on to say, there are people who have been right where you were. Remember how the shipwrecked man upon the lonely island all of a sudden came upon the footprints of another human being. You shall be able to trace the footprints of another who has been there before you. I want us to look at something before we go forward again. That we will all endure suffering and pain and depression. Jesus tells us that we will face difficulties in following him. Jesus told us that. So first off, I want us to see even those people in the Bible who we look up to, who have read about all the stories in the Bible, these people who are in the Bible suffered through pain and agony and defeat. First one we're going to look at is David. David was troubled and battered and deep despair. 
Psalm 38, 9 says, For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. This is David. Elijah was discouraged and weary. 1 Kings 19.4 says, And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Job. Job suffered through such loss and heartache. Jeremiah was lonely, felt defeated, insecure, and depressed. Jeremiah 20.18 says, Why did I come out from the womb to see toil and sorrow and spend my days in shame? Paul was beaten, suffered tremendously, was beaten up constantly. So we looked at people in the Bible, we see that they suffered. I'm laying a foundation here to see, I want you to see that everyone suffers. Again, I'm a big fan of Charles Spurgeon, there's a lot of Charles Spurgeon here today. But I want you to see the person who Charles Spurgeon is. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, a wonderful man of God, a hero of the faith who passes all over the the world, uh, research him, uses quotes, uses sermons, all these good things. But you probably wouldn't believe me if I told you this guy preached to thousands of people. He had no microphone, preached to thousands of people. But this man had a life full of agony and depression. Both physical and mental pain. At the age of 22, as a young pastor, he was preaching through thousands of people in a music hall when someone decided to pull a prank and yell, fire! So panic ensued. Everyone ran and caused chaos. And seven people were killed and many others were injured. He never got over this. He battled this for the rest of his life. His mind was never the same. At the age of 33, he had physical pain. He had kidney issues. He had nephritis. He battled gout, rheumatism, pain work in his joints and muscles. He couldn't even preach all the time. He had so much pain and agony. Today, he would have been declared clinically depressed. This is the man known as the Prince of Preachers. He suffers pain and agony. The cigar-smoking, witty, powerful preacher of the gospel said this, I could say with Job, my soul chooseth strangling rather than life. I could readily enough have laid violent hands upon myself to escape from a misery of spirit. He suffered pain and anguish. It's real. So we have seen suffering of the stalwarts of the Bible, the stories that we all read. We looked at Charles Spurgeon. But what about the, the everyday man and woman like me and you? Let's look at that. Before I do that, I want you just to see there are some Christians who believe that if you are a mature Christian, you're not going to suffer. That's not true. But there are people who believe that. That if you are a godly, mature Christian, you shouldn't have pain, anguish, and despair. Now, I want us to look at the author of this psalm. It was written by a man named Heman, the Ezraite. Let's talk about him for a minute. He was a worship leader. He was a poet and a theologian. Uh, 1 Kings 4.31 says he was was one of the wisest men in his generation. A man of maturity. 
What do we just read? This is about him. This man of maturity, uh, who was the wisest of his generation, he did what? He suffered in pain and anguish. He was intelligent. He was wise. He was mature. And he suffered. But what about those who believe that the mature and wise shouldn't suffer? It doesn't hold any water. So we see Psalm 88 shows us a man in shambles. It shows us a portrait of a godly man crying out to the Lord in great suffering. Listen, Heman saw no light at the end of the tunnel. No hope in sight. No hope of the future. No rescue was coming for him. That's where Haman, a godly man, was at in Psalm 88. That everyday man like you and me are in that very same position. Can you relate to Haman? Can you relate to what he's going through? Can you see yourself in him? Do you know how he feels? If I can be honest with you, this psalm hits super close to me. When, when trying to figure out what to preach on, it's always a, if it, we're not going through a book of the Bible, it's always hard for me to pick something to preach on. So I was down in the basement looking at the books I had, and I came across this book, uh, When Pain is Real and God Seems Silent by uh, Ligon Duncan, uh, Finding Hope in the Psalms. It's a great read if you ever want to check it out. So I picked it up and started reading, and bam, it was a coincidence that God had me uh, choose this sermon to preach on. This is probably the most personal sermon I've ever preached on that I've ever done before. Because it hits home that close. This is what I'm supposed to be preaching on. I am suffering. You are suffering. We are all suffering. That's why we need to study and read this psalm. So is there hope and faith in Haman? Is there hope and faith in Psalm 88? Absolutely there is. Let's look and see where that hope and faith is. Today we are going to look at five points that show us that hope is there. First point is hope is shown in his prayers. Verse 1 and 2 says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. When we become so overwhelmed, when we can't seem to figure out or function with our sadness, what do we tend to do? We tend to stop praying. We get worried about what's going on, what's going on in the situation in our time of pain and suffering. We forget to pray. It is too real for us. When something bad comes along, we, we panic, we don't know what to do, we don't know what's going on, and we forget to pray. All we can do is live in, in our sadness, live in, in the sorrow, live in that moment. We feel God is so distant and so far away. When you get news of something bad happening, we feel like God is so far away. But what do we see here with Heman? He never stops praying to God. 
Never. Whatever goes on, he doesn't stop praying. He keeps praying. Life feels so dark at times, so hopeless. But we can't stop praying. So in order for us to keep praying, um, it is a testimony of God's grace in our lives that we we, we, we have to understand that we can't do it on our own. We can't, we can't do it by ourselves. It's only through God's grace that he gives us the chance to do that, to pray to him. We see the word Lord in verse 1 is, is the covenant name, the favorite name of fellowship. He hears the cries of his children. He hears the cries of his children who are suffering and in pain. We see through his pain and suffering by faith comes prayer in this time of emptiness. So he has faith knowing that God is who he is, so he's praying to him. He never loses faith in the pit, never. God is not limited to our circumstances. We sometimes think it's too big for us to pray to that, to God. It's not. When there is no light, he is there. When it is dark, he is there. When we are in the pit, that's all we can do is pray. When we are at our loneliest point, that's all we can do is pray. Our second point is hope cries out before God in pain. Verses 3 through 5. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. We have to understand that we live in a fallen world where everything is not okay. It is a broken world. We have to understand we can't fix it. Humans can't fix the way our world is. It is broken. We suffer from many things. Some are calls on our own doings, our own sinful nature that happens. Our own mistakes and troubles. But there's also pain that we can't control. You can't control when your family member has cancer. You can't control a a tornado wiping out cities all across our state. You can't control, I can't control when Zoe's in the hospital and seeing her in pain. I can't control that. That's because we live in a fallen world. That's the world outside of the garden. That's what we live in. He was crying out in pain before God. He is in full darkness and isolation. That is translated in utter despair. That's where he's at. Now, this is something that a lot of us struggle with, but it is okay for us to cry out in pain. We don't have to be stoic and stone-faced and act like we have it all put together. We don't. It's okay to cry out to God. 
Psalm 88 is, is a belief in a godly man crying out to God. Heman is saying, I'm hurting. We as Christians can do this. It's not a sign of defeat. It doesn't make you a less of a man to, to cry out to God. It's okay for us to say, Lord, I'm hurting. Help me, please. He cries an urgent and serious prayer to God. Notice the urgency. He feels it is, there is silence on the other end. He feels no one is listening. When you're at your darkest, when you're in the pit and you feel your darkest, you feel like no one is there. That's how I feel most of the time. I feel I'm all alone in the, in the pit by myself. You may feel that way. You may feel there's no hope in sight. Either. Everything keeps pounding on your shoulders, on your shoulders, on your shoulders, and you can't take it anymore. That's where he is. That's why he's crying out to God that he can't do it alone. Our third point is hope is shown in knowing that God is in control. Verses 6 through 8. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Selah, you have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. So the question there is, who is God for Heman? Is he the God of his salvation or the cause of his darkness? The answer is both. Heman says he is both. God is both. Haman clearly states his suffering is from God. Look at verse 60. You have put me in the depths of the pit. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, verse 7. You overwhelm me with all your ways, verse 7. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a whore to them, verse 8. He never thinks that God isn't loving and never, uh, never stops believing that God is in control, that God is sovereign. He never stops believing that. When we suffer, sometimes we believe it is out of God's hands. Uh, some would even say and encourage us to doubt God's sovereignty and then would say, oh, God had nothing to do with that. He had nothing to do with that. He didn't know that was coming. He knew God was in charge of everything. If God puts you in the pit, then there must be a purpose for us being there. That's the truth. If God puts you in the pit, then there must be a purpose for us being there. Now, is this hard to understand? Yes, it is hard. When God doesn't explain himself, when there is not an immediate rescue, we think, what could be the purpose? Why would he leave me in darkness? The answer to teach us not to rely even on the very blessing we need to live, but to only to rely on him. So we see in this section, he isn't accusing God. He's not saying, how can you put me in this pit? But he humbly acknowledges and submits to God's control 
over his life. So we see that Heman, knowing that God is in control, shows he is sovereign over his sorrows and gives him confidence that God is the God of his salvation. God brings these troubles into his life, then God can deliver him out of that, can get him through those situations. Our fourth point, hope is shown in his honesty and vulnerability. We see that Heman pours out his heart to God. He is vulnerable. How many of us would say that we are vulnerable to God? We let him know everything that's going on in our life. It's hard for us to be vulnerable to anybody. But especially to God, we we won't open up. We won't be vulnerable and be honest with God. He is so willing to open up to God, and he is so willing to, to share his sorrows and pain. We can do that with others. We can be honest and vulnerable with others. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which God, which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you Share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. We can do that with others. Be vulnerable. Be honest. This next point is what I love about preaching. This is why everybody stands up here every Sunday. Why I love preaching from the Old Testament is to see where is Jesus in this psalm. Where does this psalm point to Jesus? I asked you earlier, where is the hope? Where is Jesus in this psalm? How does this psalm point to Jesus? Guess what? They're both in there. Our fifth point is hope is shown in the promise of the resurrection. Let's look at verse 10 through 12. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you, Selah? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness? Are your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? These two verses are to be believed as the lowest point in this psalm. The psalmist believes there is no relief. There is no relief coming for his suffering. There's no relief coming. Even to the point of death, he feels there's no point to escape. He's at the very point of death that he doesn't think he will ever be able to escape this pain and suffering. But look at the questions he asked. Do you work wonders for the dead? The answer is yes. God does. Jesus does that. Do the departed rise up and praise you? Yes. 
Are your wonders known in the darkness? Yes. Remember the quote I read earlier from Charles Spurgeon about the footsteps of the shipwrecked man and the outline of the footsteps before us? No matter how dark, no matter how despairing your life is right now, no matter how, how, how you feel you're in the pit, how dark your life is, Psalm 88 is for you. This is a prayer of the crucified. This is the type of prayer Jesus prayed on the cross. On the cross, Jesus cried out to his Father. It was silent in return. God's back was turned to him. It wasn't like we feel, I told you earlier, we feel like the whole world is on our shoulders. The wrath of everything is on our shoulders. That's not true. But with Jesus, it was true. He had the full wrath of God on his shoulders that we deserved. He was counted as one in the pit. His father would hide his face from him. This is just like this psalm. He would have his friends and disciples shun him. His only companion on the cross was what? Darkness. Until the very end, Jesus prayed to his father. No matter how dark our lives get, no matter how bad it seems that you feel everything is going bad in your life, no matter how the pit is, Jesus has already walked into the darkness for you. He walked there first. His footprints are the ones in front of us. In our darkness, we are not alone. Because again, Jesus was there first before us. When we are in the pit, when we are in the darkness, we are not alone. Hope is not lost. The Bible tells us we have a Savior who is with us in the darkness. As I asked the band to come up, I will close with this quote. The darkness is my closest friend. He even may have had to dig his own grave or purchase his own tomb. Maybe he fell into his grave and died. But I suspect that he fell into that grave with his heart facing centuries ahead to the cross of Jesus Christ. To a friend that would suffer in his place. So a friend who would stick closer than a brother to the one who would suffer the agony of being forsaken by God, the Father, so that men like Heman and us might not have to suffer a second death, we might not have to suffer eternal separation from God. Let us pray.